When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today. Welcome back. It is time now for the Jordan Renan Report, who does a phenomenal job covering the Giants for ESPN. Brought to you by Sansone Auto Mall. Ten top brands, over 2,000 vehicles. One place, Sansone Auto Mall in Woodbridge. So first things first, Jordan, welcome in. Great to have you on our program this morning. Uh, let's dive right into it because obviously one of the big storylines surrounding the Giants is that coaching staff. And we're seeing the Philadelphia Eagles making some money moves, I think. Vic Fangio, Kellen Moore. What's the latest with the coaching staff with Brian Dable and this Giants team? Yeah, the Giants definitely not seemingly stopping at that range of, you know, coordinator. I mean, they're looking, for the most part, they have seven candidates. The most recent one, uh, Chief linebacker coach Brandon Daly, Bobby Babbage, recently a linebacker's coach from the Bills. Uh, Denard Wilson's got a second interview, which is very interesting and uh, notable. On uh, Saturday, he is the secondary coach for the Baltimore Ravens. He was the guy who was the secondary coach for the Eagles the previous two years. Eagles passed up on him, hired Sean Desai, uh, and in retrospect, guys like Darius Slay said, hey, we should have hired him as the defensive coordinator. I like his chances at this point, looking at the timeline especially. The Giants are sitting here. They don't have a coordinator. Uh, the fact that they're waiting this long, they could have obviously hired the in-house candidate Jerome Henderson or some of these other guys, Shane Bowen from the Titans. Uh, but they were obviously intrigued enough where they wanted to get more information on some of the coaches still coaching, which is Wilson and Daly. So that definitely sticks out in their search. But a lot of guys that don't necessarily have play-calling experience, young up-and-coming coaches is where they're looking more than the Vic Pangeo type. So they got the, you know they're doing their search for quarterback. I mean for uh, offense coordinator. I mean for defense coordinator. But their offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, uh, this, the, the saying is, are, are they just keeping him because they want to keep some sort of stability? Or do you feel like they still have as much confidence in him as they did in years past? I think there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. Number one is he, uh, you know, there's a conversation to be had about what his role is going to be, I believe. Uh, right, how involved is Brian Dable going to be in the play calling? Right, because Mike Kafka came to the Giants for the purpose of getting experience as a play caller. Now, the big caveat in all this, this is why you don't need to rush to make any moves, is Mike Kafka might get a head coaching job. He had a second interview with the Seattle Seahawks. I actually heard he's been impressive out there, and uh, they like him, and he has a legit chance to land that job. Mm. So this is going to probably take 
a little more time and a couple more weeks for it to shake out and settle out. And if you're the Giants, it's not something you need to rush into and be like, you know what, we just need to sever ties here. Because Brian Dayball is going to be more involved, and there's a good chance that he is doing the play calling this year. And if he's not, uh, you know, Shea Tierney's a guy who is very well thought of uh, with, you know, by Brian Dayball. He's a quarterback coach. And one of the reports that came out said that Shea Tierney was the one that was actually play calling at times this year. Hmm. Jordan, I wanted to follow up on that. Um, you, you just said something really interesting about uh, Mike Kafka, who I know is held in really high regard around the league. Um, so your your sense uh, is, and uh, again, I wouldn't be shocked as well, but you, you think he has a, a chance at the Seahawks job? Definitely. I spoke with someone in the last couple of days, and they said he's been pretty impressive. And uh, look, Mike Kafka has a couple boxes that you can check, right? Quarterback development. Right, that's something that he has on his resume. Forward thinking, intelligent—that's what he brings to the table in this equation here. Uh, and those are things that, when you're looking to build something long term, those are enticing characteristics. So I do think that Mike Kafka, even though it was a down year for the Giants' offense, uh, obviously is still pretty well thought of. He had multiple interviews for head coaching jobs. That speaks for itself, right? That the the facts are that other teams still were interested in him as a head coaching spot. So I think that tells you what the league thinks about him right now. Again, Jordan Renan joining us here on 98.70 ESPN. Just sticking with the, the coaching theme here, it doesn't look like Bill Belichick is going to get a coaching job in 2024. Uh, everything that I'm reading is that there's a chance maybe he does some media work in 2024 and then sits back and sees and sees what, what develops for him in 2025. Uh, do you feel there's more pressure on Brian Dable now to uh, make the playoffs in 2024, if he does not, maybe he's gone and Brian Billick comes uh, and, and, and uh, Belichick comes back home uh, to the Giants. Is that a possibility, Jordan? Does it really matter if it's uh, Bill Belichick or not, though, to be honest with you? Because if you think about it, if they have a bad year, the pressure is going to be on Brian Dable regardless. So I do think that. Now, yes, everyone's always going to say the name Belichick, Belichick, Belichick. And I said this on my podcast the other day. I think people have a misconception. Like, yes, I, I agree. Bill Belichick loves the Giants organization and the memories that he has in it. It doesn't mean he looks at the Giants organization right now as this well-oiled machine uh, and the setup is great and everything is perfect there and it's this great organization right now, Like the, right? Because what is it, the last decade shows that it hasn't been a good organization. They haven't. Right, they're set up. They're, they have a lot of people involved. They have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. That's always been a thing. What do we hear about Bill Belichick? He wants control, right? That that's kind of the thing here. Uh, so, and and if they're bad, Bill Belichick's going to be seventy-three years old next year. If they're bad and you're, in, they're basically in a rebuild. Does Bill Belichick really make sense? So I'm not really. I don't know how realistic it is, but it is something that's going to hang over Brian Dable, regardless. Uh, even if it's not really realistic, because that's all people are going to say. Hey, let's bring back Bill Belichick. You know, the the you know relive old times is, is a is a big thing, especially with with an a organization as historic as the Giants. You know, uh, Jordan, just to follow up on one point there, if you feel like your organization's not trending in the right direction, Bill Belichick's actually the perfect guy for the job, and here's why. When we went to the Jets in 97, it was Coach Parcells, Coach Belichick, and I was very, very fortunate to be hired there as well. 
I, I left the organization 16 years later. Our player procurement sort of approach was exactly the same that it was in 97. The organizations that Bill Parcells has left, again, one of the many reasons Parcells is in the Hall of Fame is he took four different franchises to the playoffs. And <clears throat> after those people leave, like I'm sure in New England, their player procurement may be tweaked, of course, a little bit here or there. But fundamentally, it'll have the same tenants that Bill Belichick has had there for you know 20-plus years. So my point is, if I own the Giants and I wasn't happy with the trajectory of the program – and I can bring in a guy for Bill, like Bill Belichick and his 49 years of experience, and I could set up infrastructures and processes in place that could hopefully be transformative for a long time, that's something I would actually strongly consider well beyond does he coach for two years or three years. I'm taking a long, hard view of putting a new system in place. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair thought process. Also, you can always you know there's always the natural transition into the front office of taking only coaches two or two or three years, uh, and as long as he gets them in the right. But the bottom line is, teams in general, and we're seeing this right now. Bill Belichick doesn't have a job. It's not cut and dry when you're talking about someone who's you know in there you know going to be 72 years old, and this is kind of with the with the Tom Coughlin thing too. Remember. Tom Coughlin, I believe, was 69 years old. The Giants basically needed a scrap and rebuild. And so it was like, are we really going to rebuild with Tom Coughlin at this point? It was, it was, and so they thought it was time to move on. Uh, and so now when you're talking about, I know Bill Belichick is the greatest, most uh, accomplished coach in NFL history, and there's obviously a lot of great qualities. And I think if I were a team that was close, I would hire him in a split second. But if you're looking to build to the future – there's not a lot of people out there that are going to do that with someone who's going to be 73 years old. Yeah. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau came out recently. It was said he thanked God that the Giants signed Bobby Okereke. And Bobby Okereke, of course, coming over from the Colts, and now he was the named the uh, unsung hero for the 2023 Um is that just showing you that this organization, I mean, is that a thing that this organization can actually find talent and bring in the right type of player, not just athletically, but also in the locker room to, to develop some of these younger players? Uh, that, to me, seems like the organization's going in the right direction. To me, if you look at what the Giants have done these past, the first two years under this regime, the best thing they've done is on the free agent side. And that's yes. Chris Rossetti, who runs play, uh, pro personnel, I think deserves a bunch of credit there. Because if you look at some of their moves, like you're talking about Bobby Okereke, uh, even Isaiah Hodgins, like uh, Nick McLeod, who they claimed off waivers, right? They've done a pretty good job in free agency. The draft, we could sit here and be like, eh, you know, eh. <laughs> the two drafts, in retrospect, right now, don't look great. But the free agency side, they have done a good job. And I think, and Joe Shane has said this, like, this is going to be their approach. They're not going to go out there and not going to go big game shopping and just, you know, like the commanders used to do or the Washington team, whatever they went to commanders back then, where they used to go out and get like two or three big, three or four big name guys and they spend all this money. He's going to build through the draft and supplement with like one or two significant free agent signings uh, a year. Now, year one, it was Mark Lewinsky. That hasn't really worked out but they did a good job on, like, the, the lower-end guys. Year two, it was uh, Bobby Okereke, and they traded for Darren Waller. Now, Darren Waller, they knew was a risk, 
But Bobby Okereke, obviously a big hit for them. So I, I do think that you see that they, they, they have a plan and it makes sense and there's a lot of logic behind it. That, to me, is the most uh, positive thing to take from a guy like Bobby Okereke and the way he kind of fit into what the Giants were doing this year. Yeah, I, I guess I see it differently, though. Like, like their um, sort of like tolerance for risk around injuries to me is just um, very inconsistent. You know, like that would be one of the things I, I'd be asking yeah. is, on the one hand, you no, take definitely. a massive risk on, on dollars and cap uh, allocation, uh, draft allocation for a guy like Darren Waller, but yet you're reticent to pay Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the things I've noticed with Joe Shane. He doesn't seem to put as much a premium on the injury history as other people. Now, I I probably would disagree with that, and I guess, Mike, you you do as well. Uh, and it's something I wonder if yep. they would kind of reconsider here. And it's especially interesting when you talk about the draft because you have a guy like Michael Penix Jr., who is – right? that injury history is significant. It's going to be very interesting how teams, including the Giants, sort of evaluate him moving forward here. Yeah, actually, Jordan, I don't mind taking the injury risk. It's always about context. It's always about context. It's about money and draft choices. And if you could get Darren Waller right. on a one-year deal and not give up draft choices, I'm, I'm in 100%. That's all my point is. Like you, The risk-reward, you, you talk about it every single day in your building because you have very finite ways to improve your team. So context is everything and that's where like going back to like for them to rely on Darren Waller to be healthy for 17 games was just a risk that I thought was like unreasonable and as Anita would say based on data just wasn't likely um the problem we've got was, a- the problem was last offseason there weren't a lot of great options like how are they going to get a top receiver like would have an investment in DeAndre Hopkins which would have cost you money and draft capital. It was that a good one. There really wasn't that move out there. So they thought this was the sort of the least of all evils with Darren Waller. Now, this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Fair or not, there was a perception that if we bring in Bill Belichick, we got to turn over our whole building. He's going to want player personnel control. He's going to bring his own coaches. He's going to bring his own this. He's going to bring his own that. And, and you're confronting the idea of replacing a lot of people that work for you for a guy that might only be there a couple of years. Like he's not, you're not hiring Bill Belichick for the next 10, 12 years. 
Dan Graziano uh, talking about the uh, coaching carousel and Bill Belichick interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons twice and uh, is now still out there and available. A lot of folks don't believe that he's going to coach this season, maybe take a network job, sit back, kind of like how Sean Payton did uh, this last year prior to, of course, him coaching um, with the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was with Fox and then coming back into the league in 2025. So um, I, I, I threw out the the possibility that Brian Dable stumbles. Maybe this is a, a Giants team that uh, finishes below 500, doesn't get to the playoffs. Um, I, I guess two-part question here, Mike. A, do you think that Steve Tisch and John Mara uh, kick the can around about bringing um, Bill Belichick back here to the Giants? And would this be a job that you think Bill Belichick would want? Yeah, so a couple of thoughts. Obviously, a lot to unpack. I was on with uh, <clears throat> Michael Kay and the guys last week, and it was right after when Raheem Morris got the job, and presumably that means Coach Belichick will be a 2025 free agent. And for everything we do now, you know, everyone on this call, like it's like the best subject possible, you know, because in Philadelphia, Dallas, New York, you know, Bill's shadow, whether he's intended to or not, is going to be so massive. And what I would say is, like, if we were running the Giants, guys, if the three of us were running the Giants, and we took a long, sober, hard view of things, like, and go back over just, like, you know, since the last Super Bowl, like, are we happy with the trajectory? And if the answer to that is no, Bill Belichick's the perfect guy because he's so smart. Like, I just know what it's like to sit in draft meetings with the guy. He is so smart, has such a great attention to detail. He marries better than anyone I've ever been around going from a draft report to getting a player active. And to me, like, it would be an opportunity that would be well worth it. As it relates to Bill Belichick, you know, I have all the respect in the world for him. And knowing him, my guess, he's going to do something like this. Like, last, you know, next week or two, probably, you know, exhaustion from the season, disappointment for not being a coach for the first time in 49 years. You know, I could see him traveling. You know, he has a lot of other interests. He's a very, very smart and thoughtful guy. But at some point, you know, I could just see him on April 1st or May 1st going to like a retreat in Nantucket and just saying, you know what? I got to be a lot better. And just coming back better than ever. No one's going to be a tougher critic on himself than he is. He's unbelievably competitive, smart, and whatever team in whatever role we get him the following year, would be getting the best version of Bill Belichick. So in, in listening to what, what um, Graziano just said, uh, you know, it's it's very similar when, I think, when uh, Tom Coughlin was shown the door, a lot of people think that, um, you know, he, he resigned. When he was shown the door, uh, he went up to Philadelphia and interviewed for the Philadelphia Eagles job. And from what was communicated to me, he went up there with a legal pad with um, a bunch of demands and said that every single one of these boxes have to be checked or he won't take the job. When you have that level of uh, experience and success, you, you can walk in with that cachet and say, all right, this is what it's going to take for me to work here as opposed to like a young um, you know, what behind the ears coach who's just dying for his first opportunity and a team hires him and tells him what his responsibilities are and what they are not. Don't you feel that there will be a select number of teams that will give Bill Belichick the keys to the car? Or do you think 2025, uh, it will be wide open? Yeah, I, I just don't know if he if he does that. Like, I'm not in those interviews, and we got to be really fair here. Like, people are assuming that he made those demands. Like, we should ask Arthur Blank that question. Like, do we know that to be true? Like, 
I'm not in the assumption business, and maybe he did. Maybe he asked for $25 million and, you know, 10% of Mercedes-Benz sales in the state of Georgia. (laughs) But maybe he didn't. And, like, Bill's all about winning. Like, he's all about winning. And I've seen him fire people after winning a Super Bowl. Um, If he has trust, faith, and confidence in others, like, I don't know if that, like, yellow pad's there. And candidly, like, you know, maybe Tom Coughlin did or didn't. Like, you know... Those are very intimate conversations. I think we just got to be a little bit careful because I have been in those conversations at one point in my career. I'm not now. And I think sometimes how these coaching searches, and I'm not saying Judy, I'm just saying in general, like we got to just be a little bit on the conservative side, like who's in what meetings, because it's a very small group of decision makers right now. Right. Uh, by the way, Around the League brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, uh, because when it's game time, it's telly time. Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple distilled, triple blend, triple cast matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew Honey. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Bill Belichick interviewed twice for the Atlanta Falcons job that now is going to Raheem Morris. Bill Belichick did not get called to Seattle. He did not, as of date, get called to Washington. Could he still enter into those conversations? Conceivably, yes. We're well on into these coaching searches, and to my knowledge, neither team has called so far. So that seemingly would indicate that this coaching cycle will fill up without Bill Belichick. Falcons owner Arthur Blank really liked Bill Belichick and would have supported that hiring. But it's beyond just one man. This is a collaborative hiring effort is uh, Adam Schefter on uh, Sports Center. you said Tom right yes Sports Center. yeah thank you Tom and Joe producing the show this morning 800-919-3776 before we get to our calls Amani your thoughts Bill Belichick would you welcome that uh, with the Giants come 2025 um, I, I feel like it'd be a great opportunity for the Giants to turn around their entire organization and get it to on the sharper end of the NFC East I just feel like um, it's not just about how well he, um, how well he can, just like Mike was saying, he, he organizes the entire organizations to where that they are going to be set up after he's gone for winning. Um, I do believe that Brian Daybow has a great opportunity this year, and I wouldn't want to write him off, but sometimes pressure busts pipes, sometimes pressure makes diamonds, and the pressure of Bill Belichick being looking over the shoulder of Brian Dable, I think is going to going to going to push him and going to push this entire organization to really get uh, to go to that next level. So I, I like the fact that there is somebody looking over all these people's sh- uh, shoulder, and I like the fact that there is an answer uh, w- uh, in the background that could really change this organization meaningfully uh, for something that could be sustainable for a long period of time. You mean Brian? Dable looking over his shoulder exactly. at Bill Bellet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. We we knew what you meant. We knew what you meant. Let's go That's to our phone lines, gentlemen. No, you said Bill Belichick. Said. Look, you said Bill Belichick looking over his shoulder. But it's all good. We knew what we 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 knew what you meant. Let's go to our phone you lines. Up Dave in the. Down. Dave, <laughs> I felt you. I felt you, Boo. Uh, let's go to Dave in the car. Dave, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me in. I wanted to bounce this off you guys, particularly Armani. Um, as far as being in the locker room, let me kind of paint the picture for you here where I think, I think the Giants lost the locker room last year. You had to give Daniel Jones his money. He's the quarterback. He had a great season. We get that. Going back to Barkley and not giving him his money, you, you look at that, how long that kind of stretched out. 
And during that timeline, they took on a guy like Waller. Now, I'm amazed that the New York press hasn't been on Waller uh, as much as um, they've been on other players in the past. He has a very checkered pass. He has a questionable pass. He's doing things actually now on social media in the past week that are highly questionable. And so I look at a guy like Shane who says he would have made that deal anyway. He'd make the same deal today. So as a player, you're in the locker room. You're looking at a guy who's had drinking, drug issues, who actually was suspended from the NFL, and he came over here and slid right in. And then you look at a guy like Barkley, who basically they were going to let him twist in the wind and, and, and not sign him. Wouldn't you consider that to be a major fracture in the culture of the locker room of an already unstable organization that's trying to rebound and dealing with a myriad of other challenges? I don't know about Darren Waller if that would be the, the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of the, the way that the, or the locker room. I think the, I think the real thing that probably made people look around the locker room was the fact that, you know, you paid the quarterback, you paid Jones, uh, you know, $40 million and you're scrabbling over paying uh, Saquon Barkley 12 or 13. So that to me was, was something strange, but obviously they were mature and they handled it. I don't think that had anything to do with how they played on the field. I think both of them, you know, uh, you know, played their best this year. And I don't think the, I think this is, this year was a result of, their talent not being where they thought it was and then going from having a last place schedule to a first place schedule in terms of strength of schedule. So I, I think there was a lot of things working against the Giants last year. And to be honest, there was a lot of things working for the Giants two years ago. So, you know, when you put all that together, you know, they were supposed to make a big jump in talent. They, they made a jump, but not big enough. And they found out where they were. I think at the end of the day, they're all professionals and they're going to play hard regardless because they're not playing for a coach. They're not playing for a quarterback. They're playing for their career. And so I just, I just feel like that's a little bit overblown. I think the culture may have taken a hit, but at the end of the day, you know, you have to, if you're, if, if you're on, if you're one of those players that are lucky enough to have options, um, I, I don't think that that would scare you off of being, uh, uh, or, or scare you off of performing better because there's so much incentive for every particular player to play well that um, I think a lot of the stuff is, that is talked about is, uh, is, is more um, you know, theoretical than actual physical because most of the time you're playing for your career. You're not playing for anybody else but that. Let's go to Subi calling in from Midtown. Subi, welcome in. Hi, uh, guys. I was just wondering about Bill Belichick versus Tom Coughlin in terms of personality and Amani's uh, relationship with Tom Coughlin, I feel like Bill Belichick in the New York media market right now would really be, like, pretty boring. And I, I think uh, – I, I know that sounds like a simple fact, but I think he doesn't have as much connection with the players as other coaches do because he's older. And how much of that uh, factors into, uh, you know, the younger generation being on social media and having all these podcasts. I mean, Tom Coughlin would – Maybe not go along with it either, but maybe he would be a little bit better than Bill Belichick. I just want to know their personalities, Tom Coughlin's versus Bill Belichick. That's all i got to say. Yeah, I don't know Bill Belichick's. I know Tom Coughlin's, and I know he was, uh, you know, he just uh, he was very hands-off when it came to what we talked about in the media. But if you said something that he didn't like, he'd definitely bring you to his office and talk to you about it. But he, I, he was never one of these guys that was super concerned about it. He was more concerned about you know, how you showed up to practice. Were you prepared during the games? Did you pay attention 
to the film to get that very last little bit of information so that you could, uh, you know, perform well. I think a lot of this stuff, I think Bill Belichick, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how he would respond in New York. Um, I think maybe that might be one of the reasons why that he hasn't been so uh, desired, maybe because they want a coach that could sell the organization. Because if you're in Atlanta, you've got to sell that organization. And if you're going to sit up there and say, on to next week, if something goes wrong, I think that's going to, you know, it's, it's okay when you're in New England when they have rabid, fan, rabid fans, but they don't think they have those types of fans down in Atlanta as much as they do in New England. So I don't know, man. I, I have no idea why we wouldn't hire Bill Belichick. I have no idea, idea why the Chargers didn't hire Bill Belichick if, uh, if I'm um, – if I'm in San Diego, I mean, L.A., excuse me. Mike, your, your, th- your thoughts on, you know, we, we saw the C- Seattle Seahawks move on from Pete Carroll, um, you know, wanting to go younger. Uh, you know, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a different generation, uh, different way of teaching, different way of communicating. Any concern there, you think, of, of any owners or, or general managers bringing in Bill because he is at the age of 70? Yeah, you know, Anita, it's a great question, and uh, I tweeted something on uh, at Real Tannenbaum, shameless plug for my Twitter account, mm-hmm. but it, it did well in terms of engagement. The ages of the new head coaches, Anita, Gerard Mayo, 37, Antonio Pierce, 45. Now, Jim Harbaugh, we know it's uh, unique, but that, he's 60. Raheem Morris, 47. Dave Canales, 42. So when you think about the context of that, guys, like I think it's a totally fair point relative to, you know, are those guys still relatable? Uh, let's go to Anthony in Brooklyn. Anthony, welcome in. Hey, guys. Love your show. Uh, listen, I- I've been a frustrated Buffalo Bills fan since 1978. Joe Ferguson, the Bermuda Triangles. Yes, I've had my ups and downs. Uh, I was, I'm was. i still so hoping because I really think that Sean McDermott has just taken his team as far as he can. I really think they need a change. I was so hoping to wake up yesterday, the day before today, and to hear that Bill Belichick was the head coach. I don't think there's a better fit for him. He's got a quarterback. He's got a, uh, you know, a, a pretty good defense that just you know, maybe needs to be tweaked, I think, with who he'll bring in as an offensive coordinator. Oh, I just wish they would do that because I, I, I'm at the point that I know that at the end of next year, Sean's going to get fired. So why wait if anybody's heard anything? Anthony, thanks for the phone call. I really do appreciate it. Uh, By the way, this portion of the show brought to you by uh, Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Also, it is time for Mike Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week, brought to you by Slowman's. The bomb is about to be dropped. It's Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week. There we go, Mike. What do you got for us? Do we have Mike? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. I'm all about stats and data on this show. Until we're not, Anita, I said it earlier. I have nothing to back this up except number 15. I am taking... The Kansas City Chiefs, 31. Baltimore Ravens, 27. Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs. Look, you know, all season long, it's awesome to be on with you guys. Detailed sort of analysis. This is like the opposite of all that. You know, I just think Patrick Mahomes is the best football player on the planet. Hard stop. And that's why um, 
I think they win. So that's your bomb of the week brought to you by Slowman's. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to learn how you can have uh, save and have the Slowman Shield professionally installed. Free Slowman's. The difference is human. From what I understand, this will be your last segment with us. So we know what side you're on here for Kansas City. Before we let you go, give us a Lions 49ers score and why. Yeah, Anita, I'm going to go uh, San Francisco 31, Detroit 21. I love the Lions, love what they did this year, but I'm worried about their defense. We talked about it earlier in the show. I think Brock Purdy sort of got the yips out last week. I think they play better, and I think home field advantage matters. Uh, Love the Lions, but not today. So I'm going to go Kansas City and San, uh, San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Wow. Okay, and and you know you could wager, you could look forward, and you could wager this, your Super Bowl prediction now and get some really good odds. So with that being said, uh, if 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 that's your two Super Bowl teams in their matchup, who do you have winning? San Francisco. Um, I think they're the best overall team, head to toe. And so, barring Anita some weird injury, I like the Forty ers over Kansas City and Las Vegas in two weeks. But more importantly, I like Anita Marks and Amani Tuma over those two guys in the morning show in Las Vegas in two weeks as well playing pickleball. Absolutely. Yeah, tell me about it. Hold on. I want to call up this uh, the futures exact result. So you've got Kansas City over the 49ers. You can get that right now at plus 650, which means for every $100 you put down, Mike, you get back $650. Well, I don't bet, but if those who do, you know, feel free to use it. There you go. Uh, Mike, always great uh, doing the morning show with you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, um, guys. You could see Mike all over Sports Center, all over our ESPN airwaves, uh, leading up, of course, until the big games later on this afternoon. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Amani, uh, let's bring everybody up to speed in regard to uh, the players active, inactive, who's healthy, who's not. Um, So let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, for a second. And so uh, Pacheco's coming into this game, running back. He's dealing with an ankle, high ankle sprain, what have you. Yeah, Uh, he is. It is painful. Sometimes it's worse than than a break. Um, He is expected to play. He is expected to go. How productive is he going to be? I think it's going to be pretty significant because, um, again, it's hard to pass against this Ravens team, uh, but you can get to them on with, with a solid rushing attack. Uh, Kadarius Tony is out for personal reasons. So crazy, right? Like this dude, man, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Guy. Tell me, tell me because it's, it's because so much, ta- like so much unbelievable talent wasted, wasted. Yeah. I don't know about unbelievable talent. He is talented. He's not unbelievable. Um, Cause I figure unbelievable talent without the focus is just wasted. And unbelievable talent without focus gets coaches fired because the general manager will be like, will think, oh, well, if we just got to get him coached up right and he'll be fine. Then you don't know, he doesn't know if he wants to be a rapper. He doesn't know if he wants to be a football player. Um, tr- constantly trolling teams on the internet, on the, in the internet. Also lining up offside, losing a game, taking off one of the best plays ever in NFL history because he couldn't line up. One of the most basic things to do as a wide receiver. Um, I think it's going to help the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I I would not want this guy on the f- on my field when the when the when when the t- when the stuff when it starts getting tough because he's going to make a bonehead mistake and it's going to cost you a game like he did when uh, when they lost the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago. 
Right. So uh, apparently uh, one of our producers just said that uh, there's also a report out there that he just had a baby. So uh, new daddy. So they're listing uh, for personal reasons as well as to why Kadarius Tony is not going to play. So the wide receiving core for the Kansas City for Chiefs. For the Super for Bowl? Sh- you wouldn't. You, you mean for the AFC Championship? For yeah. The, yeah, to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I guess he went to the Super Bowl and won one last year, so it's a little different for him, but I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough choice. I don't know what choice I would have made. Luckily, I didn't have to make that choice. Right. That's a tough right. one. I'm sure. Uh, so wide receivers, uh, Rasheed Rice, uh, MVS, uh, Justin Watson, uh, Hardman, um, Kadarius Tony again is out. You've got Richie James. Sky Moore, of course, is on IR. So not a wide receiving core that is anything, uh, you know, bells and whistles here. And Travis Kelsey, granted, he had a he had a solid game last week, but now he's got to go up against um, uh, Kyle Hamilton and, um, uh, and Queen. All those linebackers. No, yeah, Queen. But there's somebody else who I'm 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 forgetting here. Um, uh, Roquan Smith. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, th- those are go- Those are going to be the guys that are going to be, de- you know, covering t- Travis Kelsey today. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I think it's going to be a, a different go around for him. And then more importantly, Joe Thune, their left guard is out. And this is, this guard is the number one pass protecting guard in the NFL. And he's not playing today, Amani. For the Ravens. Yep. No, no. For Kansas no, for City. Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, you saw what happened when Fisher went out in the Super Bowl. It was a tough t- when they lost to the um, who they lose to a couple years ago. They lost to Tampa Bay. When they lost to Tampa Bay, you know Fisher wasn't out. Every, you know, everybody knows Fisher was. Uh, you know he's the first pick overall, and all of a sudden he's not playing in the Super Bowl. And next thing you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the type of game he's supposed to have. Patrick Mahomes needs to have, uh, you know, especially. The, the extra time that's going to take for some of these receivers to get open, you know, with the defense of the Ravens, man, it's going to be, this is a tall task. This is a tall task for this Ravens team. If, I mean, for this Kansas City Chiefs team, if they can't run the mm-hmm. ball with Isaiah Pachanko to kind of level this whole thing out to give, because um, if they can't run, if the Kansas City Chiefs can't run the football and it's a pass pro day and, you know, with Clowney and all the people they got over there, Man, it's going to be a tough day for 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 um, uh, for Patrick Mahomes to try and you know beat one of the better defenses in the league. It's going to be tough. Absolutely. And last but not least, on the defensive side of the ball, Willie Gay, who's their weak uh, side linebacker, uh, is dealing with a neck issue. Mm-hmm. Came in all week long, was questionable. Apparently, he is going to give it a go and he is going to try to play. But this is the guy that Spags uses as his spy going up against arguably the best quarterback in the NFL uh, when it comes to, uh, to to having to spy someone. As for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, they're fully healthy here. Getting, of course, Mark Andrews back. Now, is he going to be 100%? Is he going to be used uh, as a decoy? Possibly. But Isaiah likely has stepped up big time in that role at linebacker. Um, and they get Marlon Humphrey back as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the uh, the, the health you know, active, inactive, mm-hmm. questionable for the Baltimore Ravens. And they're arguably the healthiest team coming into the postseason, which, by the way, Amani, we don't typically see with this Baltimore Ravens team, right? No, they don't. Usually Lamar's uh, dinged up. Usually uh, there's one or two key missing uh, characters. 
And now they, this team seems to be hitting on all cylinders, coming off a big uh, victory last week, uh, big second-half performance versus the Houston Texans. So, man, I'm, I'm really – I really want to see what this team is going to do. I think they're different. They're not looking them out just to win. They're looking to set uh, – uh, they're, they're, they're looking at history. I think if Lamar wins – like I said this before, but if Lamar wins, it's going to really change what people think of the NFL – uh, what, what it means to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Because traditionally, when you think of a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, you think of a guy who sits in the pocket and just surveys. You don't think of a guy that can rush for 100 yards and two touchdowns and then throw for, a throw for two touchdowns as well. Uh, it's just something that the NFL looks at more of a novelty act. And once it hits to the fact that where there's actually a championship behind the name of one of these you know, dual threat quarterbacks, it's going to change a lot of things.